The Wings Over New Zealand show is brought to you in association with the Wings Over New Zealand Aviation Forum, New Zealand's number one aviation discussion forum online. There you'll find discussion on all aspects of New Zealand aviation, from history to current affairs and thousands of photos covering the Royal New Zealand Air Force, airlines, general aviation, warbird restorations, air show news, sport aviation, home building, gliding, aviation media and much, much more. You'll be in good company with other aviation enthusiasts, including pilots, engineers, warbird owners and restorers, historians and authors, modelers, aviation photographers and many others. Sign up to the Wings Over New Zealand community now. It's free and easy. Just Google Wings Over New Zealand and you'll find the forum. Hi, it's Matt Jolly from warbirdradio.com. Listen, I am thrilled to have Dave Homewood as part of our broadcast family and bring your stories, the stories of the RNZAF, heard right here on Wings Over New Zealand to our global audience. Thanks for listening. I hope to hear from you sometime at warbirdradio.com. Extend it. Hi, this is Peter Johnson from Aerospace Radio Station Extended, and we bring you some of Europe's best guests. He's, he's been something of, of an unsung hero of the American space program outside those who are, have made it their business to become aficionados of it. News. <laughs> some people will call you mad, some people will call you heroes, uh, uh, and everyone else is probably somewhere in that spectrum. It's uh, it's an amazing project to, to pull together from literally from scratch. And views. You've got to pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and learn from that experience. And that's not an easy thing to do, Peter, learning from your own failure. So why not give us a listen if you want to hear about warbirds, aviation, and the aerospace industry? Come over and give us a visit. Aviation-extended.co.uk And remember, there's no E at the beginning of extended. Extended. The Wings Over New Zealand show would like to acknowledge the great support it's had from Fly DC3. You can fly back in time with Fly DC3 from Ardmore Airport, charter the DC3 Dakota and fly into the past. It's an experience you'll never forget. Fly DC3. Go to www.flydc3.co.nz Welcome to the Wings Over New Zealand show with Dave Homewood. Welcome to the Wings Over New Zealand show. I'm your host, Dave Homewood. In this episode, we go back into the archive to a recording from May 2014 when I sat down with the late Owen Hicks, who was a ground crew member of the Royal New Zealand Air Force during World War II. Oh, my f- uh, full name is um, Owen Rundle Hicks. Yep. Uh, my rank was corporal in the uh, Royal New Zealand Air Force. Yes. And my number was 42 and 47s. Okay, yep. <laughs> Easy one to remember. <laughs> it used to get, no, it used to get them more confused. It like when the, the paymaster, especially, um, having four sevens, uh, they count up the, they count the first three and forget the fourth. <laughs> thing like this. Yep, yep, yep. When they were writing it down, they, you'd find the, they'd only put three sevens in. It's just one of those kinds of things, mm. aren't you? Uh, that happened, uh, uh, see, um, with the Air Force, your first number is the year you joined. Yes, yep. 42. Yep. And uh, then uh, when you joined is 
number that was, uh, I was uh, uh, 7,400, if they started from one, yeah. and I don't know what, whether they used to start from one or not. I think they did, yes, mm. I'm pretty sure they did. And your date of birth and place of birth? My uh, date was the uh, uh, 24th of the 11th, uh, 1921, and it was uh, Auckland. Okay, yep. So you're 93? 93 this year. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And what were you doing leading up to um, joining the Air Force? You, you must have been 21 or 20 when you joined, were you? Actually, <coughs> um, uh, first of all, I was, um, uh, when we had um, a conscription, when I turned uh, 18, I was, I went into the Territorial um, Army right. where we did three months uh, training and then weekend parades. Yep. Right, then uh, when Japan came in in 41, uh, we were fully mobilised and uh, it was in 41 that um, it was in uh, um, it was the end of 41, beginning of 42 that I, um, I transferred to the Air Force. Okay. I, uh, because of, um, I wanted to get out, just get out of the Army and uh, the Air Force. And I was, um, uh, that, up to that time I, uh, I'd been um, serving my time before I went into the Army. And I finished it uh, in '41, and uh, and I was registered. Uh, I was a registered electrician. Right. And I uh, applied for the Air Force as a to be a, an, uh, an electrician. Right. And uh, I was um, became an aircraft electrician. Okay. Yep. Yep. So when uh, when you were in the army. Uh, were you just infantry, or were you doing electrician type work in the army? As no, well? no, I was just a driver. I was with the Army Service Corps. Oh yes, yeah. Where were you based with that? Well, actually, uh, originally, we were, uh, after doing our training at Rotorua and weekend parades and so forth, we were at um, Gloucester Park in only home. Oh right, okay. And. Uh, then when we actually were fully mobilised, we uh, we shifted down to, because they formed up in the brigades, and we went down to Marston. Oh, right. And the wire up. Okay, so while you were at Masterton, um, that would have been around the time that they were forming the Kitty Hawk Squadron there, I suppose. Yeah, you? they actually, we were, uh, uh, first of all, we were camped on the, uh, Aerodrome when we first went to Master. Right. And then they formed the RS, the Air Force wanted it. We had to move off into a farm actually. Okay. Just out of town. Right. Did you see much of the aircraft there? Did you see them flying around? No, but by that time I had been um, transferred to the Air Force and I went down the wrong Right. And uh, I did training down the wrong 
and then I was posted back to Marston to uh, number um, uh, 15 squadron. 15? 15. Ah, uh, sorry, 40. 14 squadron, right. 40. Okay. So, was it an easy process or a hard process to transfer from the Army to the Air Force? Uh, no, it really wasn't. I guess because you had that trade behind you, they probably they probably needed you, didn't they? With yeah, well, we had to do three months, uh, um, uh, three months training at um, um, Quigram. Um, yeah, I was, but I was transferred because I was short of electricians, and they didn't and transferred me from Rongatai to Marston as an aircraft electrician. But I hadn't had any training in the Air Force. <laughs> but um, they um, sort of caught up with that and uh, then they sent me down to Wigram. Right. And we did a three months course down there. And, uh, okay. Well, uh, tell me about that time when you were on 14 Squadron at Masterton. What, what was that like? Uh, it was, uh, I was brand new to the. Air Force um, and it was just a, uh, we didn't live on station. We we, used to, um, we had barracks down the uh, down the off station. Come up, come up on trucks. Um, and they were actually flying harvests. They're doing most of the tra training on harvests. Right. So we had harvests and kitty hawks there. Yeah. But, uh, but you were only there for a short time before they sent you to Wigram. Yeah, it was only a short time. Right, yeah. And then from Wigram, uh, uh, I was posted to uh, back to 14 Squadron that it actually shifted up to uh, to the Oh, right, yes. Because yep. yep. they were preparing there to go yeah. overseas, weren't they? Mm -hmm. Okay, well, what was that like? Was it a bit more intense than, than Masterton? Were they training more, or...? Yeah, it's, uh, they were training more, actually. And uh, they were, uh, yeah, they were doing a bit of um, formation flying and so on. And, uh, then, uh, as you probably know, they started to ferry the kitty hawks up there from then on. Yep. Uh, uh, I was on the, um, I was with the second uh, uh, flight service party. And uh, we went up, and uh, like there were six planes, Hudson as lead and uh, a American uh, DC-3 with a service party. Oh, right, okay, okay. We didn't have any, so we didn't have any transport planes by then. Right. It was yep. after that. And where did you go to? You went up to Norfolk Island? Well, we, we, yeah, we went on to Norfolk Island. The first flight, um, you probably have read, the, the first flight actually um, got up to Norfolk Island in quicker time than what they estimated. And they were going to lay over 
and off the island over and go on to New Mia, Tontula, on the actual um, next day. But because they got up there uh, quicker than what they anticipated, a while was back to um, headquarters to get permission to go ahead, which they did give them, which was fatal. Because they, uh, um, there was two things wrong. One was that nobody told told the people, weather people at um, uh, Tontuda around Tontuda, uh, New Caledonia, closes in the, in the afternoon. The weather, and, and the other thing was that they weren't tuned to. Uh, uh, their radios were tuned to Tontuda's frequency. So uh, they got up there and um, couldn't land, and uh, um, we lost the whole six aircraft. No, no pilots. One one bailed up and out and in, uh, in the harbour and came up in his dinghy. The other five landed on the beach, uh, crash landed on the beach. And uh, the actual service party did land. That was the first service party. They landed. And uh, the Hudson made it back to Norfolk Island. Just, I believe they, they only had enough fuel to land the boat. That's close. <laughs> <laughs> That's close. Yeah, so on the like the second one, we went through virtually without a, uh, an instance at all. Yeah. And, uh, so we virtually, uh, then it was decided that the first service party and, and the second service party would join together and stay put on, on, in, on, to, on to the river boats. Americans took one look at the planes and said, push them over the cliff. Our lot said no. So we persuaded them all to haul the five up off the beach. And uh, so we set to work to repair them. And we'd never seen a workshop in, like they had in all our lives, especially the riggers and mechanics. And they had, they had everything you could even think about. Do all, do all tools. Uh, so we started putting them together. And we had um, uh, five, the five flying uh, in six weeks. Wow. So how did you get them off the beach? Did you have to take the wings off and transport them by truck? or um, They must have. Uh, Oh, the Americans had the uh, equipment of uh, transporting things. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we sat down there for. But then on the third one, was the third flight? Yeah, it must have been on the third flight. They um, landed on tight on the strip, and Don Tudor being bigger than the third flight. <laughs> They didn't, a couple of them didn't know where to go, 
one ran up the tail of the other one. And uh, yeah, and they virtually uh, we ended up having seven, and it was six that we had flying. One of them we had to wait for a special spare part. So those, um, the aircraft that ran into each other there, one of them was the Wairarapa Wildcat, wasn't it? It became the Wairarapa Wildcat. Possibly, yeah. Yeah, I believe it was. I think yeah. that's when it got the marking, when it was being repaired. That's what I've been told, the, the cat marking. It may have, as I I'm not sure. I, I, I didn't know very many of the, any of the pilots. It's sort of a, one of those kind of things you don't you don't get to know the aircraft aircrew that much. And uh, and, uh, <coughs> and I, I probably um, more or less uh, sat in the mess with him when we were on Royal Canal and. and uh, but I sort of um, uh, never took very much notice of, of uh, I don't know what it was at the, at the uh, because there was quite a number of uh, what are now well-known uh, personnel went, went through 14 and 15 squadrons. Did you stay at uh, Tontuta just until those aircraft were flying and then moved back, you went back up with the squadron to Guadalcanal? No, we were actually, uh, um, we were there for s just over six weeks and uh, when we got there, more or less the last one, it was decided that uh, they fly the uh, um, rest of us up and just leave the ones um, I think it was riggers they had to leave behind. There was a tailplane and they had to wait for. And um, so we went on up to um, uh, New Hebrides, Santos. And by that time, uh, a lot of us had had, had beards. Here we um, decided not to shave. So we get, a lot, get up and we step onto a plane on a DC-3 and sit down and lo and behold, here was a, a air commander on, on board. He, he never said a word about, about our beers. And, uh, but as soon as we stepped off the plane, he went off, uh, off the plane first. As soon as we stepped off the plane, the st uh, station where an officer was there. The first words he said, off. <laughs> oh, yeah, a bit of fun. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah we, we had the scrounge for everything we wanted as far as the spares for the uh, repairs. They, um, the Americans, uh, they had uh, big warehouses, but unless you knew, knew the number of the article you wanted, you had no hope of getting it. So, in the end, what we used to do is go in and persuade the store um, manager 
let us wander through and we'd find what we look. And then go down to the dump sometimes. Uh, where they dumped other plates. Yeah, just pull bits off the old Yeah, yeah. But uh, they were, the Americans were amazed and we got the six of them flying. Uh, yeah, no trouble at all. So it was on to uh, Santos actually. And, and uh, uh, because for, that's where 14 Squadron had stopped at that particular time. Because 15 Squadron had come over from Tonga and go, had gone up to Guadalcanal. Right. Yep. And uh, so I was stationed, uh, stationed there and lo and behold they uh, discovered they were short of uh, electricians up at uh, number 15 square. And I was transferred up to number 15 square. Oh, right. okay. At Guadalcanal. So that's how it came. We were all short of aircraft electricians. Why was that? I'm blown if I And, uh, yeah. Because it was always only a small, small section of the ground crew. I think there was. Uh, how many were there? There was a sergeant, a corporal. Yeah, be only about only about five of us. Okay. Yeah, five or six. And on the on the squadron, there would have been um, what eighteen aircraft or something like that. Something like that. I, again, I wouldn't be able to tell you exactly. And, uh, what sort of things used to um, that that were regularly you had to do on the aircraft as an aircraft electrician? What were the things that broke down the most, or you had to check, or whatever? Well, you had what they had virtually a, a daily inspection. In that case, you went round the aircraft, make sure all the all the lights went, all the lights went inside, uh, make sure you. Um, your instruments, the electrical instruments, were working, uh, and uh, go with the uh, um, armourers, make sure the uh, mechan firing mechanism was okay, and uh, uh, just inspections like that. Then, if you had a uh, 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 a forty-hour was a just forget how many hours flying time it was. We had a, uh, a semi strip down, and that way we'd uh, check generators, starter motors, and uh, batteries. And, uh, and then they uh, had a major one when we tear, virtually tear the thing apart. That, of course, we didn't do that on the line. They would go to, go to uh, wherever the workshop was. Right, so that would be in Santos that they'd do that? Yeah, mostly back in China. Uh, 
And of course, Guadalcanal would have still been fairly active with. Oh the yeah, we were there a week, uh, virtually a week after being declared uh, safe. Right. Uh, oh yeah. But did you still get any air raids? Oh yeah, we just get uh, the odd uh, odd raids at night. More or less, Japanese had said they were one plane to harass, you know, drop a few bombs. Washing machine Charlie. Yeah, the washing machine Charlie. But they, yeah, of course we, we had our foxholes and everything. And we were, uh, I'll show you further, uh, we were up on um, Bloody Ridge, they used to call it. Uh, we were camped up there, and uh, as I say, we had our box on. We had a one at a time, like Charlie came over, American unit had just come in and was camped further along the ridge from us, and they'd been busy digging their foxholes and uh, everything. We had that raid that night. Uh, there was actually uh, six in one, one for Foxhall was killed. I, um, the, the thing we used to do with the Foxholls uh, was put a roof on, over them. We'd taken up palms and, um, and sand, but you had the entrance going down and you had a vent at the other end. They didn't put the vent in. Concussion. Oh, right. yep. Yes, a bomb landed not from them, far from it. And it was concussion. Amazing. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, uh, Did you mix much with the other Kiwi squadron? They, they would have had Hudson's there and stuff, wouldn't they? Well, they were down on Henderson Field. Oh, of course. So you would have been at, uh, was it Kukum? Uh, fighter strip one, and yeah, north, uh, north of uh, uh, north of Axel, uh, Henderson, up where Onatario is now. Uh, I was only talking to a, a friend of mine, who's a major with the army. He's been up on two or three occasions. Up there. He said that Axel here, fighter strip one is now a golf course. But that river that overflowed, one time while we were there, it overflowed. And, uh, but luckily it was a uh, certain, certain distance north of us, uh, we didn't get affected. Anyway, we were, we were up in the ridge, and uh, even though the, air, the airstrip was uh, closer down. But, uh, no, it's uh, now when we first got there, we were under more or less American rations. We didn't have our mess hall or anything. We used to uh, get fed, but they were still using field kitchens. Okay. Uh, so it was pretty rough and ready, was it? Oh, rough and ready. If you went down for breakfast, and down the, it was down the on the airstrip, if you went down at um, about a queue, about half the length of the airstrip, 
you get shot. Yeah, your pancakes or whatever they had. Uh, no, uh, no, it was a sort of a. But as I say, it was only a week after they had been declared. It was supposed. They were, did estimate that there was still about 600 to 800 Japanese still on the island. Mostly on the other side. And being sure of electricians, I used to, I'd be the, one of them that was always going on detached flights <laughs> to pick up one of our planes that had gone down somewhere. And, uh, like place up north of um, Guadalcanal, a small group they called Russell Islands. And uh, that was uh, quite often, I mean, you know, when. Uh, they more or less had trouble, they'd land there. And uh, we used to go back up there. He was, uh, made, made a couple of trips up to Russell Island. So, so you'd go up and get the aircraft ready to fly back again? Yeah. Yeah, yeah the aircraft, yeah, get it ready if we could to uh, fly it back. Sometimes we'd have to um, virtually uh, uh, wait there while we got a part set up. Uh, so how would you get up there? Would you fly up in a DC-3? Or yeah, the American, Americans fly something in a DC. And what would mean uh, two riggers? Uh, armour. Did we take a radio chap with us? Probably about six of us. We go. And, uh, the, uh, once we got it, uh, we they fly it back, and we the DCM take us back. And, uh, so when the 15 Squadron ended its tour and 14 Squadron took over at Guadalcanal. You would have stayed on there and, and kept on going through as the different squadrons rotated through, or yeah, well they changed the they changed the setup. Uh, all ground crews became SU units, service units, and therefore you didn't rotate with the with the West. Yeah. So how long did you actually stay at Guadalcanal? Was it quite a long time? <laughs> Yeah, and then when they formed it, then I got left behind with uh, for, like I sort of rejoined Number Fourteen Squadron because they they came up and took over, yes. and so I was sort of posted back to Fourteen Squadron, and then they changed it to the uh, SU units, and uh, so that actually they. Uh, and they virtually uh, uh, didn't rotate with the aircrew, and the aircrew was separate. See, the aircrew were only doing three months. We were doing uh, a year. And uh, I ended up by doing um, 18, 17 months. It's uh, a long time. Yeah, we'll come to that part. Uh, no, it's um, 
then the uh, air was safety point, I, I, we, um, I actually uh, was helping the armourer and slide the machine gun into the wing and I was behind, under the wing, pushing it up and I slipped on the coral. And the jolly thing came down, it hit me there and uh, the cocking handles on the side of went in there, went in there. Straight through your thigh. Yeah, straight through there. Um, you can still see the uh, wounds now. And it, uh, so, um, yeah, it uh, was one of those unfortunate things. So I went into, they had a naval hospital on Rus Russell Island. They put me into there. And uh, it's, um, yeah, sulfur mullamide. Um, had just come into practice then, so they treated it with that, but it didn't work. And the doctor, who was a, reser a reservist um, with the Navy, he um, he went back to hot and cold packs. Hot one hour, cold the next. Uh, that fixed it. And we got bombed there uh, that, that time, on, uh, I think that's the closest I've come to. The, uh, we were on the, and it was a Qantas hut uh, hospital, and we had a, um, our foxhole was on this side, and they, they dropped the bomb that side, and one that side. And, uh, they weren't very big bombs. <laughs> Enough. <laughs> it, it brought they had brought some soil in into our foxhole, but um, no, it's, it's, uh, and, uh, so I came back to I was all, you know, like come back to Royal Canal, and the next time I had to go away, I went uh, had to go to um, uh, Saggy Point on the bottom of New Georgia. It was actually a small, uh, uh, small airstrip, uh, virtually from emergencies. The uh, CBs, I believe, uh, laid it down in nine days. Wow. Yeah. The point came out like that, and they went, landed on one side, with their landing craft, bulldozed and everything, and drove straight across. Made it. Strip and all revetments too. Uh, yeah, so after one battle they had with the Japanese, we had um, two went down there, landed there, and uh, so we uh, we went up there. To Yes, they, uh, it actually got used quite a bit for uh, casualties, American casualties, planes coming down. We, uh, we were there just uh, sitting on, the, on, the, on one of our regretments, watching just, just, a, just one, one slightly back from the main strip, and there a cobbler came in. And, Landed and uh, pulled up to virtually a, 
it did stop and uh, it actually had a small fire going on the other side but we couldn't see and uh, so we uh, went over and pulled the pilot he was wounded and managed to get him out got to the ditch on the side of the runway and the jolly thing went up There again, I don't know that pilot's name, and uh, they, yeah, the uh, hospital people came down and got him, or the medics, and they, they didn't have a hospital then. And the Sagi Point, as I say, was just a strip, and that was all that was there. Right. And, uh, and, the, and then, of course, by that time, my my time was sort of running out and I was supposed to back to Sandals. When I got back to Guadalcanal, I was supposed to back to Sandals. And I noticed I got back there and uh, then they discovered they were short of um, electricians with number 10 squadron of Venturas on Henderson Field. So, uh, I was then posted back to Henderson Field and uh, on Venturas, which was another learning curve because I had to learn how all the um, electrics on the two-engine machine. But it's sort of a, but from, that's when the, the time started to mount up. That's when they lost track of me. <laughs> and, uh, so, yeah. Oh, no, uh, so I served my uh, the rest of the time in overseas with them. And it's, yeah, okay. Well, I'd like to ask you some more about that, but just before we do, just going back to the fighters, when. Um, if, if the Kiwis uh, went out and they, they got some victories and they came home, was there like a big party atmosphere or was it just matter of fact if they had victories that day? Just matter of fact? From, from our point of view? Yeah, and, yeah. For, and from the pilots too. They may have, and by that time we had virtually had an uh, officer's mess by then. Right. <coughs> and uh, a separate mess and so and, but to you guys, it didn't really make much difference. It didn't very much. We heard about it. And, uh, I, don't, I don't remember. We may have had a few. Well, we didn't have that much to drink. But or celebrate with, except to torpedo juice, which we never touched. And the Americans had that. Okay. And, uh, or jungle juice, which we made. <laughs> <laughs> but they uh, no it's uh, I think a lot of people you, you got to realise that uh, up there there was nothing nowhere to go and nowhere to celebrate if you like it was just absolutely a day off I mean you, uh, you could go down and visit somebody or, if you knew somebody, so uh, now, 
but that's about all. And, and what about when um, when there was a loss, if, if an aircraft didn't come back? Did, how, how did you guys as ground crew think about that? Did, did that make much of a, a dent in the day, or if, if um, one of our pilots didn't come back, or did you just get on with the job? I think it just. I think most people just got on with the job. And, uh, so it, uh, again, because of the not being so close to them, I think that that the whole atmosphere of uh, of the air force is totally different. Like taking away the um, air crews, air crews you would have to treat us differently. But as ground crews, I think you. Uh, uh, you don't even make friends in the ground crew uh, because uh, you you're posted around that often in the different situation. Uh, uh, so no, it's compared with the army. I think you, 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 there's no way way of judging it because. It's a different, a different type of lifestyle that you live. Even when you, you're, even when you five or five to a tent or something like, uh, you hear the day and gone tomorrow, so, uh, because you might be posted away and uh, and uh, and I think they. Compared with army um, personnel, I think they're a different, different breed of people. Too. Uh, they, uh. When you um, were taken off the squadron and became an SU uh, as a separate unit, what was the SU number? Uh, SU uh, one. One SU. Yeah, one, one SU, two SU. Then I went up to like ten SU. And TNSU was working with one squadron at that time, weren't they, I think? Uh, well, they went up with one squadron anyway. They could have. Uh, they were up and they were on Henderson, Henderson Field when I joined them. That would have been uh, early, early 43, or late 43, yeah. The, the TNSU and one squadron went up in October 43, so I think October, September. I think it was October 43 they went up there. Oh, so they replaced three squadron that had been up there for a year. Oh, yeah. and it was interesting because the air crews only did the three months, but they left the squadron there with three squadron and rotated the air crews yeah. through. Yeah. And then they came around to the fact that we'll just rotate the squadrons in and out. So, yeah, it's hard to keep up with mm. what's going on sometimes. Mm. Yeah, so uh, then. Uh, after they did catch up with me at um, 10 SU, I was posted back to uh, Sandos on my way, on my way home. Okay, okay, yeah. Well, tell me about the Venturas. What would they like to work on? Uh, they, um, they, they were all, they were all right. I'd only done a very little bit on multiple engines. I'd worked a little bit on uh, Hudson's and uh, on Cats. 
I've worked a bit on cats, and, uh, uh, but um, it was just you had um, uh, two of everything. I'll put it that way. You had two generators. Uh, you had two batteries, and uh, so and uh, getting synchronizing the generators was a bit of a problem. And of course you had uh, um, more firing uh, solenoids on the, on the extra guns and extra guns. And see, with a kitty had only had six, six guns and uh, one bomb release. Whereas uh, on a, a venture, I forget how many bomb releases, but there was a number of bomb releases. So the daily inspection took a lot longer on the aircraft. And yeah, yeah. Did they have more guys in the electrical section then to cover that? Was was it a bigger section? No, I mean the sign was just trying to. There you go. Oh yeah. That was our camp. You're on. You're on. We're peeing in. Ration of water. That's a, one of the bombers that was shot there. Yeah. Uh, what was I looking for? Did you have your own camera or did you collect these off the. I collected wherever I could get them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we weren't supposed to have cameras. That'd be the section there, is it? Oh, yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, that's a full complement for uh, the Banchurvis. Yes, right. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, yeah. And that included all the NCOs and everything? Yeah. yeah. He was, um, uh, he was a sergeant. So yeah. the, the, the nine of you must have been fairly busy then. Yeah. Um, keeping, yeah. keeping the aircraft going. Because yeah. they went out, uh, you know, almost every day with maybe 12 aircraft flying or something, didn't they? Yeah. And, oh, yeah. Was there any particular hassles with the aircraft? Um, was there anything that um, was a, a real nuisance on them that kept breaking down, or were they fairly sweet? Uh, fairly, they were fairly good. Uh, no, the regulator, the generator, yeah, the regulator quite often would. Uh, Breakdown, uh, but uh, other than that, we. So parts that broke down, did you just replace them, or did you repair them, or both? Um, well, we had a we had actually a, a mobile workshop where we did certain amount of repairs, but in most cases it was replace was replacing. Perhaps not as much as the Americans. Yeah. They, they replace a whole engine. Yeah. <laughs> we quite quite often didn't do that. Yeah, that was the sort of system, wasn't it? You just replace everything and Yeah. Oh, right. 
There was one there, the flights going up. Yep. Five. Hang on. That must have been one one of the flights that uh, one aircraft turned back to Norfolk Island. Yes, that was Jeff Fis uh, Jeff Fiskin turned back on that. That's right. He didn't yeah. end up on the beach. Yeah. They were meant to be sending up seven on that first flight, but one of them wouldn't start or something. So, oh, so six took off and then one turned back. Yeah. Did you have much to do with uh, um, Stan Quill? Did he talk to the ground staff much, being the CO of the squadron? Not very much. Again, you didn't, didn't have very much to do with the air crews. Right, right. So you'd have your own engineering officer who's in charge of you guys and yeah. and that's the guy. Mm. Actually, was that Andy Chandler was the... Huh? Was it Andy Chandler that was your um, engineer? He was one, yeah, engineer. What was he like? He was all right, he was good. And of course you don't... Uh, where, wherever they are on the, in the rank, you don't inv get involved in what's name. I was mostly in the LAC when I was with the... Uh, in the early days up there. It was only in the, the very end of the war that I was a corporal. So, so the person that you talk to most is your corporal or your the sergeant? sergeant yeah, yeah, so yeah. chap and yeah. Owen Bennett was who I, I talked to mostly. He was with the uh, 14th Squadron. Yeah, so from Santos I uh, virtually uh, got to Santos and I had a medical and then they discovered I had malaria. Oh. Yeah. So they held me over for about two weeks there before they sent me home. Yeah. It was only a slight, slight attack because we've been taking adamant tablets all the time. And uh, then I came back and um, uh, to New Point, disembarked, uh, yeah leave and then I was posted to uh, Ardmore. Right. Yeah. Uh, to uh, the service unit there. Okay. So you're working on Kitty Hawks again? And yeah, again, bringing, getting red kits, then we switched over to Corsairs. All the uh, advanced training for pilots done at Ardmore. And I worked on Corsairs. Would that have been a good station to live on? Oh yeah, it was close to home. And uh, again, <coughs> period of time as things were starting to wind down. And, uh, we, we were getting getting more leave and, uh, and, and it was uh, good living accommodation compared with what they had, what they had for the last 17 months. <laughs> but uh, yeah, oh, we had our moments there. And we had to go and pick up one course there. Uh, went down on the wetlands and, uh, and the hierarchy there. Went in by uh, boat up the canals and uh, horse and dray across the wetland. Wow. And you got the aircraft out? No. <laughs> the vultures have been in before we, 
we got there. The locals have been in stripped a lot of it down. We got the remainder of it down. Oh, right, okay. Uh, okay. So, how did you get it out? Did you have to put it on a barge or something? Oh, yeah. I, I don't think I stayed to the, for them the, when they went out. When they discovered there was nothing I could get out of the plane, we came back. Oh, No, and I of course was discharged from uh, from Axel uh, Ardmore. Okay. Was that at the end of the war, or had you done your time and, and uh, let you go? No, it, had, um, it was the end of the war, uh, and uh, I'd uh, I'd been on a uh, um, army course uh, uh, simply because I was supposed to go away on second tour yep. and uh, they then realised that well, they'd better train us up for uh, active duty uh, because of Bogomil and uh, where they uh, had, had the mountain uh, yards and a lot, of, a lot of the personnel had very little training so they decided that I had a training camp out at Swanson. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. So we did the time out there, but uh, I got in the um, Hobson Park and Market Road uh, in the embarkation there, and I checked my medical records and said, no, you can't go again, and sent me back to Oakmore. Oh, wow. Oh, and the Two of the first two was why I contracted a, a a germ in my nose and ended up with sinusitis. So I ended up uh, by um, being OWEL for the uh, only time in my service career on VJ day. Okay. I was away for. I was away for three days on VJ <laughs> And when I got back to the station, the guard said they wanted to see you down in the adjutant's office. So I went down to the adjutant's office and uh, expecting to get the worst, but he said, he handed me a, a sheet of paper and he said, you can get them all signed by the, the end of the day. And be off station. Oh, right. yeah. And that was the, the discharge. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> good news. No, they started to cut back pretty well straight away. Yeah. So I, I was posted to, um, not to be called again, Section D. Oh no! I mean, it was uh, it was an experience, and it was a uh, it has it had its ups and downs, but, but it just shows you how many of um, of the actual service people that don't even see fight, fighting. Yeah, yeah, 
and yet they, if you read anything, the, the ones that are sort of recognised or the ones that are uh, glorified or anything are the ones that uh, shoot somebody or something like that. There's so many more people behind yeah. them supporting them, uh, aren't there? Yeah. See, and, uh, yeah, so that, um, that's how I ended up with the... Uh, <coughs> but as a family, we did very well. I, um, it was myself, my brother, and um, nine cousins that all served somewhere in the in the services, yep. and we all came home. Wow, that's good. We came home with battle wounds and so forth. Yeah. And, uh, my brother was four and a four and a half years of prisoner of war in Germany. Was he uh, um, Air Force or? Uh, Army. Army, oh, right. Uh, oh, was he taken in Crete or Greece or something? Greece, way up in Serbia Pass. Wow. One of the early ones. He was with the uh, engineers. Okay. Is he still around now? No, he died in nine, uh, 1990. Oh, right, yeah. Mm. He's actually seven, he was seven years old when I but the other ones, was, they were scattered all over the uh, different war zones. One, another one that died last year, um, Irvin Carter. He was a lieutenant in charge of a landing craft on D-Day. Wow. Gosh. And, and the other ones were, there was a two of them. Two more that were in the Air Forces. He was another cousin with, with me up in the Pacific. He was one of the first uh, flight engineers on uh, Douglas's when we got our own Douglas. Okay, yep. <coughs> yeah, I've, um, I've made up a whole family history. Right. Of, uh, um, mostly for the actual. Uh, uh, grandchildren years to come, yep, yep. and uh, and that's and I made it with photos, and uh, here's one of our venturers who went down on uh, Munda Airfield in New Georgia. What actually happened to that? I've seen that photo before, and I don't know what happened to the aircraft. I don't know what happened either. It almost, look, almost looks like perhaps the. Wheels collapsed, uh, yeah, the undercarriage collapsed. Yeah. Bit of a mess. Mm. And, uh, yeah, so there's all those photos. Mm. But um, there's the class I went to. Oh, yeah. That was uh, a yeah, uh, liquor class 10, wasn't it? Yeah. And all but three of them were electricians. In civilian life. That's uh, 14 Squadron there. On Monday Airfield, when, when I was uh, on detached flight there, 14 libs were coming up the taxiway to go down and down the runway, and we were on the bank this side. They were coming up here, turning and going down there, and we were sitting up there watching. And uh, the first one got off all right, the second one got off all right, the third one blew a tyre 
and uh, ground looped and started to burn. Fully laden with bombs and fuel and we're sitting up on the bank watching all this. Well, we, 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 we had our foxhole alongside. We were sitting on the edge of it. And uh, they were rushing around trying to see what they could do. And, uh, and, but we looked down the taxiway and you'd think someone had turned the switch. All those uh, 11 planes left, the engines stopped. Well, they actually uh, left it for about two hours <coughs> and it's burn virtually was burning its way out. And then there was a massive explosion when the bombs went up. And uh, when they dust cleared, they got in and they had a look and they found there was still one bomb. So they detonated that, came out, and in the meantime, the CBs, the naval um, the construction unit, assembled their plants all at the end of the uh, runway. And when the, they dust cleared again, they just swept all the rubbish into the hole, brought in loads of coral, rammed it all down, they were taken off another hour. You've got no idea. Amazing, isn't it? Yeah. So they were approximately about three hours behind schedule. <laughs> Those are the aircraft I've worked on at some time. Yeah. All the ones that are like those, there are only short periods when they landed on our strip. Right. Uh, there's my medals. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know who's got them. <laughs> I don't wear them. <laughs> yeah, it's virtually the... Uh... Oh, very good. That was the Wings Over New Zealand show with Dave Homewood.